0: Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. We bless you. We lift up your name. We thank you for your mercy and grace. We thank you, Lord, that we can come together as a church. I know it's not this building, Lord. It's us, those that have put their faith in you, Lord. Thank you for what you did on carry Cross for my sins and the sin of the whole world, Lord. At this time, Lord, please. Be with me, Holy Spirit. Use me that I may say the right thing. Nothing out of context, Lord. Help me, and I pray, and I ask in Christ's name, amen. You know, every time I come up here, I can remember, I think, it's been three, three years or four years, and when Pastor asked me to become a deacon, we prayed about it, and one thing say uh, you have to do a preaching service on, sun, on, on in August. I said, oh, no, here we go. That's one of the worst. I don't look forward to it. But I thank God. I thank God, seriously. It put me out of my comfort zone, which is like staying behind. And one of the best things that happened about COVID, even at work, and I just do a Zoom meeting, or not even a of sky meeting on my phone, I sit at my desk and I can mute the phone and still working. And when it's my turn, and I say what I have to say, no one sees me. No one know where I am. What I'm calling. And so I like that. But as Christians, we have to. We go out. We give the gospel. We tell people about Christ. And God uses us. He uses us through. Those times, and sometimes for those of you that go soul witnessing, sometimes you go and you don't even know what to say and you say things and the Holy Spirit use you. And so that's that's amazing. Because I don't have it together. I don't know about you, but I don't. And I know about the pastor, he says it say, all the time. He said well, first want to humble himself. But um, going back to April, I've been, the longest time when my kids were young. We went to Washington, D.C., I think one time, one or twice. But believe it or not, I've been to Washington, D.C., it's not twice, three or four times this year. Because we have a grandson there. And one of the things we do in Washington, D.C., when we go, parking is crazy, horrendous. So we, um, Last April we were in washington d c and we had to change our hotel so hotels very expensive, so we shop and and so we were in one place for a like couple of days then we moved to another hotel, which was like probably about three or four blocks from the white house so normally, we take our car in the morning, park it in one of the government parking lot, and then we walk most of the time I use my my son-in-law. Most of the things that where my daughter lives is right there. You can go to most of it. It's on the mall and you can go right, you can walk, walk in this. Thing. And there's more, one morning, Rose and I was walking and we passed this church, historic church. It was a beautiful church. Then I noticed something. It had a verse that was written up in flags, they printed on the flags. Each one had a, it were printed on the flags. And that stuck in my mind. I know we all read through the Bibles, time in and time out. But I like the way God uses us. You can read all you all through the Bible, but er- every now and then a voice will just stick out to you, you know. Like boom, right in your face. And that's what happened with a verse. I never shared with Rose either. I kept it to myself. I said, "I use it for August <laughs> when August coming around." So <laughs> I've been having this sense. I've been having this verse. If you have your Bible tonight, please turn to the book of Micah, M I C A H, chapter six. Micah chapter six, and there's a verse in chapter six that. It's like a social verse that you can see all around that people uses, people use around the world when it comes to this verse. People use it, and if you look online, you will see people using it in different aspects. But it's not what I'm going to touch on tonight. I'm not here to preach a social gospel and say this verse is for that purpose. Do this, do that. But it's, I'm going to tell you what the Lord has laid on my heart on this verse. And that verse is key. If you look at Mark chapter Marcus chapter 6, verse 8. And he has showed thee, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of thee, but to be, do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. So these words were printed on our church. They had it on this red flag. Should have taken a picture of it. But I didn't. So, I've been... For months, I know Brother Josh asked me the other day, he, Josh Abila asked me the other day, Say, said, Brother Jacob, are you all ready? Do you know what you're going to be talking on? I said, yes. Well, I guess I quickly explained it to him, then I would do up here, because I'm nervous. <laughs> I am. But if you look at Micah chapter 6, we see what God requires of us. What God require of Jacob? What God require of you? And in our verse, we saw it. So we see, at that time, if you look at chapter 6 and chapter 7, we see dishonesty in the marketplace, corruption in government, which provide the ground for rebuke of Samaria, which is threatened with destruction in Micah's days. You see, us as people, we, quick, we forget God. We forget what God has done for us. And we tend to wander away from him. The people have forgotten God's covenant and its benefits and has turned away from him. But what God does for you and I, even when Jacob turned away from God, he is still caring for me. He has your protection. is still upon me. He putting food on my table. Because that's who he is. He's God. He cannot stay to my level. He's above me. And that's what we all are. So we see here, he continues to be kind to his forgetful people. And they began to take his gifts for granted. And they become self-centered. When we, my friend, remember God's past protection. I know this morning, Jim was talking about that. That he doesn't live in the past. But you remember what God has done for you. And you, you, you build upon that. And you move on. You move on. But well, well, you all will remember what God has done. His past protection will help us to see his Present provision. Tonight, in a moment of time, we forget what God has done for and We just focus on what is before us. Look back, my friend, what he has done for us. There are 87 verses in the Bible where God is always reminding his people about where he brought them from. And we see that again here in Micah 6, 4. And that verse says, for I brought thee up out of the land of Egypt, rendered thee, redeemed thee out of the house of servants, and I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Marion. And 87 times, God always, what I brought you from, my friend. Today, you are my, my friend, you and I, where did God bring us from? What he brought you from? We all have our own story. How we got saved, how we came to know the Lord. But my friend, I know for me, I don't know about you. If I didn't know God, I think I don't know my condition may have been worse. And I think so. I believe that. And he has done great and mighty things for me. A poor African boy, an immigrant from somewhere else. He has blessed me tremendously. And there are things that I have not done that I should be aware I should be for him and what he has done for me. So, going back, Micah genuinely wants to know what God requires. What God requires. Requirements. Requirements. You and I work. Guess what? I'm required to be at work when I was employed to be at work every day, right? Yes. Six o'clock Tuesday morning, I better be at work. Or I better have an answer for my boss. There are requirements. Requirements before I became a deacon. There are requirements in scripture that say what a deacon should be to hold that office. There are requirements for the pastor. And there are requirements for Pilots, when they fly the plane, there are requirements that they have. Even becoming a medical doctor, that's even worse. There are requirements. What God requires from you and I, he's an almighty God. He can't just let us slide. He just can't let us. What does mankind offer between God's judgment? To make right with him, with them, And God, should I bring an offering, a sacrifice, my firstborn? These are questions the Israelites were asking, and that's what Micah wanted to know. What, Lord? What should we bring? And you look at Micah 6, 7. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of ram or with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Is God interested in any of those things? No. No. And we'll see later. That verse we read, that's what God required. But my friend, most times we take God for granted. Instead, Like the Israelites, they responded to God by trying to appease him. Trying to appease him with sacrifice. And you and I know the end result of that. King Saul tried to do that, right? The Bible tells us obedience is better than sacrifice. That's what the Bible says. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And we see in 1 Samuel 15 verses 22 to 23. And Samuel said, had the law as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the law? Behold, to obey it is better than sacrifice and to harden than the fat of rams. So you see, God doesn't want any of those things. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and as idolatry. Because God has rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. That was King Saul. My friend, that applied to us. What God required from you and I. What does God want from us? You know, we can have peace, God. coming here on Sunday, throw some money in the plate. Okay, I made it there on Saturday. And the whole week we don't live for God. We don't. Whole week we don't live for God. And then on Sunday, we dress up, we come, like the message this morning, we come to church. My friend, we cannot appease God with religious ritual. God wants to change in our lives as stated in Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. Which is your reasonable service. Your reasonable service. That's it's just a little bit. That's all God asks of you. It's like me telling my kid, all I ask of you is to make up your bed when you get up in the morning. I'll get you the food, I'll put food on the table, I'll go to work. Which is your reasonable sir. Reasonable. The road matter of being holy and acceptable unto God is summed up in Micah 6, 8. God requires of us to do justly. Right? God requires to do justly, as the verse states. In Isaiah 1, 17, it says, learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless, plead to the widows. God is telling you and I, my friend, we live in a world today that we sold. everybody clamoring for our attention. Not touching them. But as believers, as believers, we must follow the Bible. We must follow the word of God. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, Execute true judgment and show mercy and compassion, every man to his brother. Zechariah 7.9 says, Every man to his brother. We ought to love one another. We ought to show that we care for one another. That's the will of God. We ought to. We ought to, my friend. You know why? If we don't do it, who's going to do it? The world out there is watching us. It would don't do it, who's going to do it? And we can't get involved. I know pastor talked about, uh, about Satan this morning. He's crafty. The guy, Satan is good. He get us off balance. He get us to get involved with certain things that would throw us off. Oh, that's a good cause. What's going on in the government? What's going on in this place? What's going on at work? All of those things. And then you off balance. And so, we ought to be careful. Proverbs 21.3. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifices than sacrifice. That's what God is saying. I didn't write it out. He didn't write it out. You didn't write it It's the word of God. So we ought to be careful, my friend. When we are there as believers, they know what we ought to do. Do justly. Do justly. To be biblically righteous is to be biblically just. First verse. We cannot separate these two ideas. Justice and righteousness. They come together. And that's our God. And He wants you and I to practice that. He wants us to do that. And the second part to that is to love mercy. My friend, mercy is what have me, you, here today. Because if we were to be given what we deserve, guess what? I would be begging in hell for eternity. Remember that long road pastor brought today, And that's one thing I always talk about, eternity. Whatever we do in this life is like this. And I ask, tell people when I go out sometime, I say, what is eternity? How long is eternity? Eternity is for what? Forever and ever. So my friend, we have to. It's by the mercy of God. Luke 6.36 tells us, Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. And we see in Matthew 5.7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. If you are merciful, you will obtain mercy from my heavenly Father. If I'm not, why should I get it? Why should I get it when I don't give it and I expect it? I always want to receive, receive, don't give. My friend, as believers, and that's what Micah is saying, God wants us to do what is required of thee. What is required of thee to do justly? love mercy. You must love mercy, because Christ loved mercy. That's what brought him to us, my friend. If we were to get our just reward, like I said a few minutes ago, we won. We see in, it is up in in Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 22 to 23. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed because his compassion filled not. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. The faithfulness of God. Don't count on me, for to, be, don't count on me for, to be faithful like I'm not. You are not. We let people down. Remember the song we sing with the kids in, in kids school? Your best friend will let you down. The man of the world will let you down. But Jesus never failed. He will never, never let you down. And those are things, you know, I was talking to someone recently. Sitting trying to steal our joy, your joy and mine. He cannot get our soul. We're safe. But he bring all these things to steal the joy from us then we're going to be a miserable Christians. Miserable. We know the truth. He whom the Sunset set free is freed indeed. We know the truth. We know the truth. But I go back to one thing that I always talk about. Sometimes I pray and I ask God, take away free will from me. I don't need to take it, take it away from me. But it's in place for a purpose. It's in place for a purpose. Free will is good, but for Jacob, it's wrong for me. Because it's in place, or else I would be doing. I would love for God to go, come, go, come, but no. That's not love. For God is love. That's not love. It's like telling your kids, "I gave you this so you can love me." I'll give you this so you can love. No. They won't love you. You can give them the whole world. If they don't love you, they don't love you. And we see that all the time. Psalm 26, Psalm 23, 6 says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mercy, goodness and mercy. My friend, if you carry those two with you, This world, if that can see you, if we don't react to little things, it starts in this house with our own brothers and sisters. It starts with us. We must, goodness and mercy, we must show it to one another. Because Jacob is, This church used to be real perfect. This church was perfect. Then I arrived in 1987, and everything went downhill from here. Because I'm a sinful soul. I am. James two thirteen says for he shall have judgment without mercy, for he shall have judgment with our mercy, that has shown no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. James two thirteen. Titus three five says Now by works of righteousness which I have done. But according to the mercy, he saved me, us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. My friend, it's by his mercy. And I'm grateful. And I'm thankful. I remember that day. Didn't back to 1976. No, 77. And in February, went to school. My friend has gotten saved, and he walked up to me and wanted to share the gospel with me. I said, okay. We went to the locker room and sat down. And he witnessed to me. But before then, there's a fear that was in my soul that I was planning. I, always had a, I was planning, oh, I'll be good tomorrow. If I went to this place, I'll be a better person. If I did this, I'll be a better person. No. What I needed was Jesus. And when he witnessed to me that day, I knew. I know the, the other day we were talking in life group and I was talking to Brother Jim, almost forgot his name. I was talking to Brother Jim and we were talking about Romans 10 type 10. But whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we're talking about sometimes when that doubt starts to come in your mind. And you hold on to the word of God. What he has done. Verses like Romans. And uh, verse like Romans 10:13, Because I know that I made that decision. And I know sitting not going to steal my joy by trying to say, tell me that something else is wrong. You know. That brings us to another, to the last part. To walk humbly with thy God. And James 4, 6 says, But he gave her more grace, wherefore he said, God resisted the pride, but he gave her grace unto the humble. My friend, our Heavenly Father, humble, our Heavenly Father came, he humbled himself. He came. He came to this world. The prince of peace. He came. And he died uncarried. For my sin and your sins. He humbled himself. Where are we? I know we're quick on, to get stuck on who we are and what we are. And I have flesh always want to take over. Do you know who I am? What I am? I know who I am. I'm nobody. I'm nobody. And by his mercy. Proverbs 15.33. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. Before honor is humility. Before honor is humility. Before you get that honor, you've got to bring yourself low. We must bring ourselves low. Nothing gave in. But bring yourself low. We have to, let Paul said, for he must increase and I must decrease. He must increase and you must. That's the way. You go down as you glorify God. As he's going up, you're going down. You're going down, my friend. And let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, lest each esteem the other better than himself. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of other. Philippians 2, 3-4. My friend, as James says in fourteen, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. Because you see, when you're down, when you're not doing things because others to wash you, or say, "Yeah, do you know what I did? How much I put in church this year?" No, my friend, you bring yourself down, and God will pick you up. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray it and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from, then I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sins. And we heal their land. My friend, we need God. We can complain all we want about this country or any country. If we as Christians are not getting down on our knees and praying and asking God to heal this land. With all that is going on. You know, the other day I had to do an ethics we had to do and they shoved this thing down your throat even at work and and some people are opposed to it I do too Well, all these name change I'm eight, I'm dad. I'm that you know when what's his name when Prince started we all were laughing remember Prince the singer he said he was a little symbol or something remember he came up with his, some symbol that he said that was his name. Well my friend, here we are today. Here we are today. There are a lot of changes. And if someone came up to me and said, do you want to address me or he or she or this or that, I, can, I have to respect that now. My job is telling me to respect that and call them what they want to be called. And I always shake my head and tell the guys that, Oh, God made a mistake, huh? He doesn't know who we are. He doesn't know. So anybody can be wherever they want. You know. So my friend, let humble ourselves. Let in order for this land to be healed, we need God. Let's pray, talking and watching the news and doing this. I've gotten away from the news. I can tell you everything about American Pickers if you want to know. I love it. (laughs) I love it. I I watch the old ones and Rogue gets sick of me. I watch it over and over. Oh, my wife said time. I love that. All right, that's going to be finished. She's giving me a sign of time. (laughs) Yes, But, my friend, Jesus is our ultimate example of humility. The God of heaven came down. Mercy and grace of God met a justice at the cross. He gave his very own life for our salvation. You know, like we always sing. He could have t- called 10,000 angels and like that. But no humility. You and I should go forth today, my friend. Do justly. Love mercy. Humble yourself to your God. And before I take my seat, as I prepare and I talk about this song, we sing songs. Sometimes it's good to read a song we sing. Sometimes it's just good. Sometimes we sing it, we forget. But I'll, I I'll thinking about this song, Take Time to Be Holy. Take time to be holy. Speak oft with the Lord. Abide in him always and feed on his word. That's what we, we need, my friend. Make friends of God's children. Help those who are weak. Those, he was talking about that. Micah was talking about that. Those lowly, down and lowly in our, in our, in, 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 in our community. We ought to love them too. We ought to care for them. Do justly. Don't tremble over them. It has to start from you and I as believers. We have to be an example of it. Forgetting in nothing his blessing to seek. We must do that, my friend. Let us take time to be holy. Let's go forth. Let live as Christians. Let us not let this world get us. We're just passing through. Let us get entangled with the things of this world. Please, let us not. Let us not. With that, I, let's pray. My Father, I thank you. I thank you for the word of God. I pray, Lord, you be with us and help us, guide us. I know, Lord, we may be the only Bible that someone may read. Help us, Lord, to go forth and be a good example for you. Like in Antioch, when the the believer was first called Christian, Lord, they saw something in it that looked Christ like. And may we be that same today, Lord. In Christ's name, amen.
1: I told you that time that I drank the flowered water. I was just looking and thinking, okay, if Jacob doesn't take his water, are you going to drink Jacob's water? Jacob's water. Yeah, right. Uh, open your Bibles, if you would, to uh, two places, Jeremiah chapter 7 and Psalm 15. So I'm sure that uh, many of you can answer this, but I'm going to ask the question. Um, you've all heard, or you know, when the... When the pastor, the preacher, the speaker sets their watch on the pulpit, what does it mean? (laughs) Yeah, so the pastor says absolutely nothing, right? It means nothing. So I was a little stuck because I started thinking about it. And as Jacob started speaking tonight, I was like, oh, my Lord. You know, it's just I see the Lord's hand already knit together in in what he's given me. But uh, the pastor had sent us a text, said figure 20, 25 minutes. And I'm thinking, well, does that mean anything? Oh, you've got the microphone control, huh? Yes. But um, I just, uh, I love life and humor and, and all that God does. What a blessing it is. One of the things I want us to look tonight is at the abiding in Christ, abiding in God's presence. And our desire, yes, as Christians, should be the ongoing, enduring, continuous presence of God. Jacob mentioned Romans 10:13, for whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. That's God's promise to us. In Hebrews 13:15, it says, "I will never leave thee nor forsake thee." That's God's promise again. Philippians 1:16, be conf- being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Well, that's God's promise again. Sure, seems like He's pretty steadfast and unmovable. The problem I have is I live in Romans 7:19, For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, this I do. I love the fact that, you know, we may look at things. I, I think of Betty Holmquist, the lady who was here for many, many years, and she talked about how wicked chewing gum was. So it could be little things like that, but we always recognize uh, that, uh, that, look it, the, the, the standard gets higher and higher the more we see God. I just noticed someone chewing gum, so i 'm sorry i wasn 't thinking anything like that, but uh, um, while I rest in my salvation, we should not rest on our salvation. We understand that it is finished, and the work of god the work of Christ is done in that area, but our salvation is not to be rested on that we just got saved and we lay back, and nothing takes place from that point on. No, we need to be constantly looking i uh, I want us to think for a moment about Solomon's temple. And I heard an illustration one time that really stuck with me about that. We have three main parts of the temple. There was the, 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 the porch area or the, the court area. That would be where Peter and John in Acts chapter 3 went and, and the, uh, um, the lame man was healed, and and one of the interesting things about that was, what were they doing? They were in the appointed place at the appointed time and saw God's work. We were talking about that in our life group this morning, about uh, Carl and Mary Sylvester showing up here at church on a Wednesday, Carl with throat cancer, and he wants to get married on a Wednesday night. This is 30 years later, and I still remember what a blessing that was, being in the right place at the right time and hearing that. But... So, what we have here is the the outer porch and the outer court, and it was the, the illustration of that court was that, like us as Christians, we have people who could wander in and out of the temple court, they could come into that area freely, and oftentimes that 's how we live as Christians. We step in and out of the work of God and we just sort of wander around that outer court of Christianity, that outer, outer area, but there's there's two other spots here in the temple, one of them being the sanctuary, and there was only some people who got to go into the sanctuary. Uh we see I think it was uh, uh Zacharias in in Luke chapter one. They call that also the holy place. And and he would go in there, and I think his uh horse at that time was the burning of the incense. So so, you know, with Christians we wander in and out of that outer court of God, but every now and then there's some of us who step into that holy place. But then we have a third place that We can go here. And we see there at the the, uh, Solomon's Temple that there was a place called the Holy of Holies. That's the place where the high priest would be able to go, and he would go there once a year and, and offer that sacrifice. Now, we know that that... Curtain has been torn from top to bottom, and it's been separated. But you know what? We as Christians can move from one place to the next because our salvation was not the end of the story; it was the beginning of the story. It's the the salvation is the bookends. We get the we get the earnest of the deposit, that down payment, the Holy Spirit of God, and then the redemption of our soul that day when we step into eternity. But in between that. We don't want to be those people who just wander around the outer courts. We want to be those who are moving from the outer courts to that holy place, to that holy of holies place where we're walking with God on a regular basis. Wherever we are currently uh, uh, can be changed. We're invited by God to draw nigh. If you would, go to Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7. I'm going to read for you there. The first 10 verses, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust ye not in lying words saying the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord Lord are these. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt, then will I cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers forever and ever. Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will ye steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom ye know not? And come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to do these abominations. God forbid. Let's pray. My Father, I do pray you take these simple thoughts, and I see uh, a knitting already of your hand with the things that you gave to Jacob separately. Uh, Father, so we just uh, thank you for that. Holy Spirit of God, help me to be uh, clear and concise with those things that you've given. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us... To take a look at some of the admonitions of God, and then we're going to take those things. I want to make some applications to this. And if we see here in verse three, uh, in that trying to, we want to go from, from just those outskirts of Christianity. We want to step into that holy place and then into the holy of holies. I'd love to tell you that I live in that holy of holies all the time, but it doesn't happen. But I do know what it's like to, to be in a, such a place with God that I don't want to open my eyes in prayer because I'm like, Lord, I don't know what I'll see and I think you're standing right behind me and that's that's it's not a scary place but it's always a place you say I want to get there again hasn't happened often but I want to get there again I want to be in that spot over and over and first here we see in verse 3 amend your ways and your doings Christian the question is what direction are you heading. What pathway are you on? Has the light of God's word dimmed for you? Has the or or has the light of God not dimmed and you know what path you're on and you know the end result of that path. But you're deceiving yourself about the about the way you're going, about what life is all about, about the importance of things. Pastor mentioned some of those this morning. We're told here that God says, I will cause you to dwell in this place. And he gives us some items that we need to address and we can learn from. Amend your ways, correct the mistakes, strengthen and improve that which was once good in your ways but has slipped. How about that word reform? I, I didn't think about it before, but you know, if, it, if we just break that apart that reform. That reform, we want to abandon that which was evil or corrupt and return to those things that were good. Remember how exciting it was when, when God saved us? Uh, I didn't make a mention of that before when Pastor said somebody shout out. I immediately thought and went back to May 1st, 1983 because that's when God changed me. I, I, I looked at the cross and I, I understood the gospel and I said, that's enough for me. That's enough for each one of us. And, and all the things that God was changing immediately and, and bringing about all those differences. But sometimes what we have to do is we have to look at those things that were good and say, I need to reform those in my life. Now, believe me, I understand. I'm saved. I'm eternally saved. It's the work of God that does it in us. But we also have a part in that. Paul said that he worked very hard, more than anyone else, all around him to... Live as a Christian, right? So, we're first, here we see in verse three, amend your ways and your doing. And I ask you, Christian, are your actions good or bad? What's your conduct like that nobody else sees? What's your behavior like that only you know about? What's your behavior like that your wife doesn't know about? Your your coworkers don't know about? We should be consistent and 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 thorough in that. All the time we should be always looking to amend our ways. so that why not for our salvation. So we can cherish the close and precious times with God and move closer and closer to him. Salvation was provided for us. But that closeness to God is a pursuit that you and I can take after the second thing we see. Look at uh, is in uh, verse number four. Trust not in lying words. Today Jacob mentioned about you know the news and all these different things you're hearing. Um, and Jacob, I loved it. I've watched Pickers over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And over. Yes, every and, and Joanne probably drives her crazy because oh I've only seen that 25 times. Leave it alone. Don't change the channel. You know. But uh, we're not to trust in lying words. God says we're to amend our ways. We're not to trust these lying words. Today. You and I are bombarded with voices that come from every angle, every perspective and every view possible. I I watch the news and these so-called experts who are in the news, they're declaring one thing and the other experts declaring something else. and And I'm saying that's their truth. But where is the truth? Because there is a truth. Truth is not subjective. Truth is not influenced by our feelings. Truth is not influenced by our taste. Truth is not influenced by our opinions. Truth corrects each and every one of those truth is the expert truth is the standard truth is the great equalizer there is no escaping the truth truth reigns supreme and is never changing truth is not hidden because it's right here in our hands and if we would just open the pages of the word of God we would find the truth is there and then what happens is truth sanctifies truth clarifies truth will not set you free truth will make you free. We just need to get there to that. God says, if you want to, you want to step closer to me, here's some things that you can do. You can amend your ways. You can trust not in lying words. Truth always exposes the lying words every time. You don't have to know all about the phony stuff because when you know the truth, it's just like a bell goes off in your head and you go, that doesn't sound right. Something's not correct about that. We get to abide with God in there, in the truth. We need to amend our ways and our doings. We need to trust not in lying words. Look at verse 5. It says here that in verse 5, for if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute judgment. Oh, now, some of us like that because we like to be that hard-handed taskmaster. You don't do it, you're going to, boy, I'd, I'd execute judgment right away. But that's not what God's talking about at all here in that executing of judgment. This isn't about capital punishment and making sure somebody who's wronged us, they get their, they get their due and that evil gets punished. No, no, not at all. We're talking about dwelling in the presence of God, moving from the courtyard to the holy, holy place and on to the... Holiest, And sometimes what we have to do in this area is we have to force ourselves through that fleshly desires and all those fleshly things and say, no, I'm going to see the word of God have an impact. I'm going to continue that process. I'm not going to quit because something bothered me. I'm not going to quit and I'm not going to get out of the way. No, this is what God is doing. And I see it's we're supposed to be truthful. Okay, well, let me speak the truth then. And when I find that I'm not, let's go back and correct these things. Force yourself to follow through, complete to the finish the work of God that he's brought you to. Pursue it to the end with justice, and always look for justice prevailing. Uh, We mentioned that this morning. I said something to the Akai's about seeing they've been here since 1987. You think there has not been a single time that they've been offended? And when I said that this morning, Rose pointed right at me. said, yeah, from you. But praise the Lord, they've been a great friend to us for for all of these years. Uh, And their their family's been a blessing and, you know, all of the things that go on. But... You can't quit. You have to keep going. And, we, we, you know, we might stumble and fall when we're trying to take care of something spiritual that God wants us to do. And listen, I understand. I don't do this in my flesh. We don't do this in our flesh. We do this by the power of the Holy Spirit of God working in and through us and changing us from the inside out. This, this area of executing judgment goes hand in hand with truth. Executing judgment is always the pursuit of that which is righteous, fair, Equitable and pleasing to God. It's always that way. Don't step off the path of right. Don't ashamedly cower to ungodly uh, pressure at work. Don't look at. We don't have to be unkind. I walked into a house Thursday of this week to a 70-year-old man dressed like a lady. I wasn't mean to him. I wasn't unkind to him. I was polite. I was appropriate. I talked to him. There was other things going on. But don't step off the path of righteousness just because you're hearing so many things about you. Executing judgment is the ongoing application of the principles, precepts, desires, and commands of God enabled by the indwelling Holy Spirit. John 15:5 says, "For without me, ye can do nothing." The farther along, you know the farther along I go in the Christian life, the more I am thankful for grace. Oh my, It, it becomes so much more precious. Maybe just because there's a little more understanding of what we're really like. That is, in me dwelleth no good thing. But the Spirit of God dwelling in me is a wonderful thing. So we're to amend our ways. We're to trust not in lying words. We're to execute judgment. In verse 6, where are we? Verse 6, if you oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt. I always wonder how a pastor times getting someone to look at their Bible so he can get a sip of water. You know, I've 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 seen them doing that, but I just can never get it down. So, but we're here. We're to we're to oppress not the stranger, uh, the fatherless, and the widow. You know, it's interesting because this sounds like James 1:27, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this: to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction. Uh, We're not to defraud, deceive, burden those around us. Uh, or treat others uh, severely? No, not at all. We're not to oppress the stranger, the fatherless, and the widows. Well, who are the fatherless? How about the unsaved around us? They don't have a heavenly father. How about the, the, the those around us who are lonely? Um, it says here, oppress not the widow. One of the heaviest loads of the widow is that aspect of loneliness that takes place. I spoke with a man recently who had uh, who had lost his wife. And as we were talking, he told me, Jim, the the waves of loneliness that seemed to come over me, even though I think we were talking in a restaurant or somewhere at a table. And uh, it just was amazing that you can be around other people, but still that measure of loneliness. Let's look to be the one who, what do we do? We don't add to the burdens, we lift the burdens. We're the ones who strive to bear one another's burdens um, and and be that one who's lightening the load, who's carrying that load. Well, what does all this do? Well, it's just what God asks of us, and he says, I'm going to help you. You're going to dwell in this place close to me, and what we want to do is we want to move from that outer court to that holy place, to that holiest place. We want to strive together while we do that. Look at verse 6. It says, And shed not innocent blood. We know that the vile push and practice of abortion. I was, I was absolutely shocked recently when I looked up the number of abortions that have taken place around the world in one year. Horrible. I, I, I can't imagine that God isn't ready to pour out his wrath on mankind. How about, though, if we rein in character assassination? That pray for... Jim, but it's really just gossip. And those, those snide little remarks and the comments that we make, these are one with someone who has a very dry sense of humor has to be careful of. The subtle and not so subtle jabs and jokes and comments and words. James 3, 5 says, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Verse 6, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. Proverbs 18, 1, uh, 18 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. How about we use words that build and heal and encourage? Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Sometimes it's just that kind word. I, I mentioned it the class today, sitting right over there. I can, I can still picture it. And years ago, uh, a man walked by me, and all he did was patted me on the shoulder. 20 years ago, maybe. 15 years ago, patted me on the shoulder, and I thought, wow, that was an encouragement. We can be that. We can do that. Verse 6, neither walk after other gods. We may not be bow before idols, worship at the base of monuments, nor lift up on high gods of false religion, but where are the priorities in life? What is it that you and I are pursuing? For where your treasure is will help you identify where your heart is. Will you steal? In verse 9, I think it says that. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense on the Baal, and walk after other gods whom you know not? When money becomes our goal, I've watched people who will do anything to make a little bit more. It's amazing. No, you know, look at, look at verse 10. And come and stand before me in this house which is called by my name and say, we are delivered to do these abominations. No. God didn't save us so that we'd be delivered to do what we wanted to do. He saved us so that we could walk with him. We could pursue him. We could honor him. We could cherish him in purity and holiness. We come here when we meet together. Here's something that you can do. I, I said this morning in, in our life group that um, we often think that if I come to church in a bad spirit, then I'm a hypocrite. No, you should be in church. Christians go to church. So when you are a Christian who stays home, now you're a hypocrite because you're not in the place that God says you should be. So sometimes what you have to do is you have to come to that place anyway, but take full advantage when you do. Take full advantage of 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. I always love this verse because it seems to me that there's a second part of that. When I confess my sins to God, he cleanses me from all unrighteousness. All those things that I do start dropping off, and all of these other aspects of life start falling away. I'm not going to make any comment on it, Pastor. We're done. But turn to um, turn to Psalm 15. I'm just going to read through this psalm because I think it adds to the items that we just looked at in Jeremiah about moving from place to place. Because what do we want to do? We want to dwell in the presence of God. It says here, Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly, and worketh righteousness, and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor, in whose eyes a vile person is condemned, but he honoreth them that fear the Lord. He that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent. He that doeth these things shall never be moved. That's what we want to do. We want to move closer and closer and closer From that outer court to that holy of holies, that holy place to that holy of holies.